Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for FBC Keller Media in the iTunes Store. And now, here's our pastor, Keith Sanders. Let us return to the book of Joshua this morning. Today we're in chapter 14. I've been looking forward to this chapter since we started this study of Joshua because it tells the story of what I believe to be one of the most underrated men in all the Bible, the man Caleb. Caleb is a popular name these days. In fact, I have a nephew named Caleb. Caleb of the Bible was a contemporary of Joshua. In Numbers chapter 13 in the Old Testament, we are introduced to him for the first time as Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite. Now, Kenizzites were the descendants of the Edomites. You might remember the word Edom means red. It was the name given to Jacob's twin brother Esau after he sold his birthright for a bowl of red soup. His descendants were known forever as Edomites. Now, that means that Caleb, even in and among the Israelites, was somewhat of an outsider. Further, he was never the one in the spotlight. There's no book of the Bible called Caleb. Though there is a book of the Bible called Joshua. And yet I believe he was a great man. When he was 40 years old, he went along with Joshua and 10 other men that had been chosen by Moses to spy out the promised land. All 12 of them came back with a favorable report. It is a wonderful land, very fertile, flowing with milk and honey, they said. But only Caleb and Joshua advised Moses to attack, to go in and take the land that God had promised The others were afraid. They said, there's giants in the land and we're as grasshoppers in their eyes, in our own eyes. Because Caleb and Joshua pressed Moses, don't listen to those ten, listen to us. The Lord is on our side. He said, this is our land, let's go in. The people feared for their lives and they picked up rocks and tried to kill Caleb and Joshua to keep them silent. Well, God was so angered by this that he determined to strike the people dead. And Moses intervened and begged God for forgiveness on behalf of the people. And in Numbers 14 we read this, So the Lord said, I have pardoned them, speaking of the people that tried to kill Caleb and Joshua, according to your word, but indeed as I live all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurn me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit, has followed me fully. I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants will take possession of it. The title of the message this morning is The Man with a Different Spirit. That man, of course, is Caleb. Now, we don't read of Caleb anymore in the Scriptures until 45 years of history have passed. Caleb is now 85 years old. Along with Joshua, he has been allowed to enter the promised land. He has participated, no doubt, in many battles. He was there when the walls came down at Jericho and when Ai was avenged and the confederated kings of the Amorites had hail fall on them and kill them. We're going to skip over, fast forward if you will, past chapters 11, 12, and 13. You can go back and read those on your own time. That just describes the many and various victories that God gave to them in the promised land. So 45 years has passed, and now Joshua, the leader of Israel, was growing old. And so the Lord instructed him to divide up the conquered lands among the tribes of Israel. 
And so leaders of each of the 12 tribes approached Joshua one by one, and he gave them cities and land in the promised land. That is what is happening as we come to our text this morning in Joshua chapter 14. Let me pick up again now in verse 6 of chapter 14. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal. So it's Judah's turn, and obviously one of the leaders of the tribe of Judah is Caleb. And Caleb, the son of Jephun and the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him, as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you, to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as He spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke His word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, Give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite until this day because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Hey, remember I said that if Joshua played the lead role, Caleb was a background character. But here in chapter 14, it's time for Caleb to be in the spotlight. This is his close-up. He is front and center as a man of faith. And so let's look at Caleb really close up. First of all, he's described as having a different spirit. So the first question is different than what? Well, different from the others in Israel. They had a spirit of fear and uh, trepidation. Remember every time Moses said let's do something they told him why they couldn't do it. They grumbled, they complained. Remember that word murmur we talked about. They complained under their breath. Not Caleb. He was always ready to go. He was a man of a different spirit. He walked as it were to the beat of a different drummer. He did not follow the crowd. He was his own man. He was not intimidated by peer pressure or by powerful people. And as I read that list, I look into the balcony and I see our teenagers heading back to school, some of them just this week. Be a Caleb at your school. Don't follow the crowd. Don't be afraid to be your own man, your your own woman. Be of a different spirit. I get the feeling that, that though not everyone liked Caleb, obviously they tried to kill him, they had to respect him. Because they knew where he stood on all things. Moses surely respected Caleb, and so did Joshua. Look how bold he is as he approaches the leader of all two million of the Israelites. Verse 6, the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal. And, and the first one to speak apparently is Caleb. And remember, he's not fully of the tribe of Judah. In his ancestry, there's the Edomite. That doesn't stop him. Caleb, the son of Jephun and the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. Lest Joshua has forgotten in 45 years, Caleb's going to remind him of the conversation that took place that I just read from the book of Numbers a moment ago. How Moses said, When the day comes, this land, the hill country, is going to go 
to Caleb. This, this conversation was 45 years in the making. Caleb waited 45 years for his life to be vindicated. And that conversation tells us much about Caleb's character. Look at verse 7. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever because you followed the Lord my God fully. Now there's at least four things that this tells us about Caleb's character. Number one, he was a man of integrity. Look what he said, I did as was in my heart. That is, he did not do what was politically correct or expedient. Now when someone's holding up a boulder wanting to crush your skull, it may be expedient to tell them what they want to hear. But Caleb was not willing to do that. He said, I told them what was in my heart, and what was in his heart was that we must obey God. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of courage. He said, the others' hearts melted with fear. Now Paul told the young pastor Timothy that that's not from the Lord, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, has He, as believers. He gives us a sound mind, and Caleb had a sound mind, and the courage of his conviction. A man of courage. Though the others melted with fear, he saw the same things that they saw. He didn't deny that there were giants in the land. He didn't deny that they were outnumbered. He simply came to a different conclusion. Rather than seeing those giants and those fortified cities as insurmountable obstacles, he viewed them as opportunities to give God glory. And that's how he lived his life with courage. He was also a man of great faith. Look what he says, I followed the Lord my God fully. Last week we looked at the book of James and James says that if you pray to the Lord, don't waver, don't vacillate. He says the person who's like that, who's unstable in all of his ways can expect nothing from the Lord. And so I think that's what Caleb's saying. I don't think he's saying he's sinlessly perfect. He's saying the trajectory of his life for 45 years has been towards holiness and sanctification. He's not wavered. He's not turned away from the faith to the right or to the left, even as many of those did. Remember, as soon as Moses went up on the mountain to receive the law, they started worshiping a false idol. Not Caleb. He wasn't part of that. He worshiped the Lord fully, man of great faith. And because he was a man of integrity, and because that gave him courage, and because of his faith, he was a man who lived his life with confidence. Don't you admire people who have confidence? I'm not talking about arrogance. Those two things sometimes look like one another. Arrogance is self-dependence. Confidence is dependence on God. Caleb was confident. He trusted God's promises. Moses picked up on that, and he said of Caleb, surely... The land on which your foot has trodden will be your inheritance. Now that word surely means evidently and obviously. It's the word that we translate the 23rd Psalm from Hebrew into English. Surely, obviously, manifestly, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is it's self-evident that you are a man of God and you're doing God's will and you're going to get this land that God has promised you. Now he didn't know that it was going to take 45 years for the Lord to answer that promise, but he never gave up. 
So let's look thirdly now at Caleb's conviction. Verse 10. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I'm 85 years old today. Still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now in those two verses we find four firm convictions upon which Caleb built his life. You might want to write these down. Number one, he was convinced that his life was in the Lord's hands. His life was in the Lord's hands. Look at verse 10. He says, now behold, the Lord has let me live these 45 years. And friends, whether you know it or not, if you have a heartbeat and you have air in your lungs today, it is because the Lord has let you live. Every time we sin, and we do often, and we keep on living, it's evidence of the Lord's mercy in our life. Caleb understood that. He says, I'm here today not because I exercised or took my cholesterol medicine. I am here because the Lord has let me live. His life was in the Lord's hands. And if you live your life that way, and I know a few people who do, not many. They don't live in fear. They don't live behind closed doors and bolted locks, afraid for their life all the time. What's going to happen next? When you live your life as if it's in the Lord's hands, you live with boldness. Here's a man 85 years old and he's still a risk taker. Now the second conviction he had is that God was going to keep his promises. He had staked his life upon it. And I believe he woke up every morning with that conviction. Maybe this is going to be the day that I get that land that God has promised. It drove him. I expect no one fought harder on the field of battle than Caleb. Because he knew what was at the end of one of these battles one day was going to be the reward. And friends, you know where I'm going with that. If you are a Christian today, you have staked your eternity on some exceeding great and precious promises, haven't you? That promise is that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You believe Jesus' promise of John 14 that He's going to make a place for us and one day He'll come again. Those are the promises we've staked our eternity to. And I'm sure there were those over that 45 years that made fun of Caleb, even as he buried all of his friends and contemporaries who did not believe. The Apostle Peter speaks of these promises that God has made. One of the great promises we cling to here is that one day Jesus is coming for His church. And Peter says what's going to happen as time goes by, there's going to come along cynics, and wags and scoffers, and they're going to say, where's the promise of His coming? thought you said Jesus was coming back. All things go as they always have. Where is He? And Peter says it, it fails to make their notice that that's exactly what the people were saying in the days of Noah. For a hundred years, Noah and his sons built that ark. God promised one day it's going to start raining, and the people would walk by, I'm sure, and laugh and point and say, where's the rain? And one day when that first big drop of rain fell on the tip of someone's nose, they stopped laughing. And one day, though this world in which we live thinks we are foolish to believe the things that we believe, foolish to believe that God of heaven left His glory and took on human flesh and died on a cross in our place, foolish to think that one day that uh, He's coming again for His church where He'll rule and reign forever, those are the promises that we've staked our eternity to. 
And Caleb staked his life that God's promise was true. He was convinced. Thirdly, he was convinced that he was doing the Lord's work. So when he went out to the field of battle, it was not just a day at the office to him. God said, go and take the land. He was an emissary of the Lord. He lived his life that way. The Apostle Paul lived his life that way. When asked to describe his ministry, he said, I am an ambassador for Christ. He said, I am a slave of the Lord Jesus. He was doing the Lord's work. I'm not talking about simply vocationally. You don't have to be a missionary or pastor to do the Lord's work. You can go to any vocation, and if you view it as a mission field, you can do the Lord's work there. Caleb was convinced he was doing the Lord's work. And let me just tell you this. You show me a person that has those three firm convictions. One, that their life is in the Lord's hands. Nothing's going to happen to them that he hasn't allowed or caused. Two, that God is going to ultimately keep his promises. And thirdly, that you are doing the Lord's work. That is a person that's hard to stop. There's one more thing about Caleb. He was convinced at 85 years old, hear this, he was convinced at 85 years old that the Lord was not done with him yet. God give us more Caleb's. As long as there was a pulse in his veins, as long as he could breathe in and out, he recognized God was not yet done with him, and so he determined to spend every moment in the Lord's service. Well, we could put a bow on the story right here and go home, and it would be a good story, maybe even inspiring, memorable. But you'll remember that the book of Joshua is not fiction. It is historical narrative. It answers certain questions. And maybe one of the questions you have about Caleb was, was he actually vindicated? Or were these just the ramblings of a, an old man? Maybe he was just delusional. After all, here he is at 85 years old, not only asking for land, he was asking for land that had not yet been conquered. Not only had it not yet been conquered, it was occupied by some of the strongest, largest human beings the world has ever seen and the Bible says it had well-fortified cities. Look at verse 12. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Don't forget who the Anakim were. These were these, these great big people. Powerful, strong warriors. Caleb says, that's the land I want. The hard land. Well, maybe you think he's delusional. Surely a man at 85 can't be as strong as he was at 40. Well, Joshua didn't think he was delusional. Joshua knew him probably better than anyone. Now, even though we don't hear much about Caleb for 45 years, that does not mean he was not active. He certainly probably was a, a trusted ally and advisor to Joshua. Joshua knew him very well. So what's Joshua's response to when he says, give me the hard land. Verse 13. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Joshua didn't say, you know what, go back to your tent and take your medicine. 
the son's getting to you, okay? We're old men. We, we've got to leave this to the younger folk. He didn't do that. He remembered what Moses had said. He didn't deny one bit of it. He was there when Moses promised him that land. And here's what's most important. When Caleb said, I have followed the Lord fully, Joshua didn't roll his eyes. He confirmed it. He'd watched him for 45 years, follow the Lord. He says, you're right. You've done that. Well, that still doesn't answer the question. It's one thing to say you can have the land. It's another to take it. So let's look fourthly and finally at Caleb's conquest. You turn over one chapter in your Bible to chapter 15. We don't have to wait very long to find out whether or not Caleb took the land. Joshua 15, 13. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. And when Hebron, from Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sishai, Ammon, and Telmai, the son of Anak. From there he marched against the people living in Debir, that's another city, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Onthiel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it, so Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. Now that doesn't sound like science fiction. That sounds like history to me. That's exactly what happened. Caleb was able to, to get rid of these three powerful families of the Anakites, but there was this one city, Debir, that he was having trouble taking, but he so believed that this was God's will, he said, I will give my daughter in marriage to the man who can take that city. And this man, Onthiel, took him up on that, and he led the, the battle and defeated the city, and Caleb was good to his word. He gave his daughter. She must have been a, a beautiful woman, because these men were willing to risk their life for her hand in marriage, and he gave his daughter. No, Caleb was not delusional. He was convinced. Again, a wonderful story. What could it possibly have to say? For people living in the modern world. I think quite a bit. And I think specifically it has a lot to say for senior adults. I have a book in my office that I treasure because it was a gift from Brother Jimmy Draper, who many of you know. The title is Don't Quit Before You Finish. It was published uh, on his 80th birthday. And though Brother Jimmy's now 82, he's still serving the Lord faithfully. It is not unusual at all for me when I'm out making hospital visits to run into him. Though he's not a pastor anymore, he still visits people who he's ministered to over the years. And uh, this book, the title says it all. Don't quit before you finish. He encourages Christians in it, but, but specifically pastors, to not stop their service to the Lord before they get to heaven. We all need to hear this. I do. Don't quit before you finish. And let me just remind you what I say here a lot, and I hope you know what I mean by it. There is a heaven. This isn't it, friends. Wednesday night, we sang a song during our Bible study that I haven't heard, I guess, since I was a boy. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes, and then we'll be gathered home. And I think maybe some of us think, we'll work till we're tired. Or we'll work till we save enough money. Or we'll work until we find something else better to do. Friends, that, that's not in the Bible. 
We'll work till Jesus comes. That's our finish line. And until then, don't quit until you finish. Caleb certainly didn't. I know a few men in our church, and women too, who are over 85, who get up every day excited about serving the Lord. I can't wait to spend time with those people. I love it when they come up to our office because there is an excitement about them that is palpable. They may have retired from their vocation, but they just view that as giving them more time to serve the Lord. Those people have a, a different spirit. That's the way Caleb was. He was a man with a different spirit. So the question is, how can we live like that? How can we live our lives at school and at work, even in retirement, in a way that is noticeably different from a lost and dying world? Well, we can't in our own strength. But we can, and I think we can apply some principles from Joshua chapter 14 to help us. Number one is this. Live your life as if every day is in the Lord's hands, because it is. Live your life as if it's in the Lord's hands, because it is. Nothing can take your life until the Lord allows it, or He causes it. So don't be afraid to get on an airplane and go overseas and do a mission trip. Don't be afraid to to go across the street and talk to your neighbor don't be afraid to do anything that the Lord is prompting you to do. The Bible says, what can man do to you? Nothing that's outside of the Lord's will. Live your life as if it's in the Lord's hands. Secondly, live like you believe God's promises. Now, granted, Caleb had a very specific promise that he was going to live to see the distribution of this land. None of us, as far as I know, have a promise of tomorrow. But we do have certain great and wonderful promises in the Bible. One of them that I cling to regularly is that He will never leave us or forsake us. Another is similar to it, found in Matthew 28. The end of the Great Commission is that, Lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's what gave King David such courage. Again, the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He believed the promises of God. And one of the great promises that we're clinging to here is that this life is not all there is. That one day, and we believe right soon, the Lord Jesus will return for His church. If you believe that, live your life accordingly. Thirdly, Live with the conviction that you are doing the Lord's work. Now, if you're not doing the Lord's work, you have no right to that conviction. If you're living your life for money or fame or any other thing except the glory of God, you have no right to claim this conviction. But if you do your work as unto the Lord, no matter what it is, and you are redeeming the time that God has given to you, so that He may be glorified through your life, you have every right to have confidence that you're doing the Lord's work. You, like Paul, can be described as a bondservant of, of Jesus Christ. Fourthly, and maybe most importantly, we must realize that no matter your age, as long as there is breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you. 
don't quit before you finish. And we have an incredible resource in our church called Senior Adults. We're one of the few churches in our area who do have senior adults because they're welcomed here. And we love them and we respect them and we want to learn from them. But senior adults, if I may speak boldly with you, because I, I have an aspiration of being one of your, in, in your number, and I'm getting there very soon. Don't quit. There are needs all around us that you can fulfill. And maybe you, you can't get on a plane and, and go across the ocean. Maybe you can. But if you can't, you can pray for those who do. You can financially support those who do. You, you can speak a word of encouragement to a young family that's struggling. You can come alongside uh, someone. You can still teach. You can still rock babies. There, there's a multitude of things you can do for the Lord's glory. Don't quit before you finish. And, and to young people, I, I said it jokingly, but there's only two kinds of people in the world that I've met. There's senior adults and those that aspire to be. Give honor to whom honor is due. Those who've gone before us. Treat them with dignity and, and, and respect because one day that will be your parents. And one day, if the Lord lets you live long enough, that will be you. And then uh, I hope somebody will come after me and preach to me the same thing. Don't quit before you finish. Live your life as Caleb. Your life is in the Lord's hand. Live like it. Trust His promises. Live with conviction that you're doing the Lord's work. And no matter how long you live, whether it's 50 or 150, serve the Lord until He calls you home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. And uh, I thank You for Caleb. He's a good reminder, Lord, that uh, Your promises are true and trustworthy. Father, I know the promise that so many of us cling to is that one day Jesus is going to return. And and yet 2,000 years have passed since that promise was made and he's, he's not yet come. And yet we know that a day with you is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. You're not worried. You're not overwhelmed. You're not hindered in any way. So Father, help us to take uh, our cues from Caleb who no matter if it took a lifetime was not going to give up on your promises. And Father, like Him, we will be rewarded for that one day with, a, with an inheritance, according to the Scripture. Father, I, I pray for every member of our church, but I specifically want to lift up our senior adults. Father, I thank You for the wealth of wisdom and resource they are in my life. Father, I suspect that some of them are contemplating quitting before they finish and just uh, remaining in spiritual neutral. Father, I pray that today the Holy Spirit would convict them through the book of Joshua that that's not your will for their life. Father, it's your will that they finish well. Father, I pray the same for our young people, our middle-aged adults, Lord, that, that we would determine today to believe your promises and live our life with the same integrity and faith and conviction of Caleb. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, 
visit us online at fbckeller.org.